Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni and it's a bit later than we usually do it, but I'm still joined by Mitch and Scott and maybe James, unless he has to duck out for his date. But today we're bringing you the latest in gaming news, including an interview with Carolyn Thant from Codots Games uh, about their game, which came out a little while ago called Wanda. Hi, I'm Caroline Thant. I'm here on behalf of Codots Games Studio. Yeah, so things don't always go quite right for developers, so we're going to take a look at what they can do to pick themselves up after they fall down. That's it, and our last topic today, we'll be looking at simulation and realism when games totally nail RL. That's right, but first up, we are going to have a listen to the shipping news with Brian Fairbanks. Thanks, Brian. The Australian Financial Review just published an op-ed piece by Ross Simons of Big Ant Gaming condemning a very common practice in video game companies worldwide, the unpaid intern. Like many other businesses, interns are often a mutually beneficial relationship. An entry-level professional gains experience while a company gains the free services of an enthusiastic employee. For many game development teams in Australia and around the world, money is often scarce during the developmental stages, which makes this relationship incredibly valuable. Simon says this unpaid arrangement lessens the quality of those entering the industry. Only those that can afford to not be paid for their work are the ones persevering, which dramatically reduces the talent pool. Furthermore, this damages the diversity of the industry, as most people who can afford to remain unpaid for their work are middle-upper-class white people. Simons urges the game development community to pay for the services their workers and stresses that diversity can only help the industry. You can find a link to his piece on our website. Research recently released from the Australian University RMIT in Melbourne reports that gaming helps boost academic performances in math, science, and reading among high school students. Associate Professor Alberto Pozzo from the School of Economics, Finance, and Marketing examined data from the Internationally Recognized Program for International Student Assessment, or PISA. He analyzed the academic results of over 12,000 Australian 15-year-olds and compared the data to their other online habits, which were also collected by PISA. Poso said that students who play online games almost every day score 15 points above the average in maths and 17 points above the average in science in a statement released by the RMIT. Conversely, Poso also concluded that the data reflected time spent on social media actually damaged the score of students who used Facebook or another chat every day by an average of 20 points worse in maths than students who did not use social media. Posso also believes the problem-solving aspect of gaming could help improve the cognitive abilities of students and create an arena for them to practice skills they learned in the classroom. Perth-based studio PaleBlue.Games released their flagship game Lumber Larry earlier this year and it has recently gone free to play. Pale Blue Dot is run by Dylan Wakeford and each game idea is in support of a specific societal issue. Lumber Larry was created to raise environmental awareness to the gaming community and the studio's next idea, Blocky Roll, which is currently in development, will help to raise money for educational charities. That was Gaming News. Pixel Sift. <laughs> Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. 
<laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. Thank you to Brian for the shipping news. Mitch. Yeah, so video games are products, and just like all products, some of them don't quite hit their mark when they launch. Some experience mass player exodus, and sometimes sometimes just mere months into their launch. When this happens, developers need to react and modify their strategy to bring the players back to, into their ecosystem. Now, there was a pretty notable uh, game that launched at the same time as one of the, well, I guess, probably one of the biggest games that's come out, um, who... We've was basically discovered this week that their active player base had decreased to about 500 people. The name of that game, Mitch, that you have spent money on? I didn't... Uh, Overwatch. Uh-huh. I didn't buy Battleborn, though. Oh, I thought yeah. you said you bought Battleborn. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. But I, I did... I was going to, but it was, it was either one or the other, and I went with Overwatch. So I think a lot of people made yeah, that so choice. So otherwise there would have been 501. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it was one of the things that one of these... Uh, when genres become very popular, then every, people, every person tries to jump in on that genre and get involved, but you can only play so many games. So there's well, some games that are going to fall by the wayside. The and interesting part about this is Battleborn's actually not... Uh, if you actually look at Battleborn closely, it's actually not very... It's it's not the same as Overwatch. It, it really isn't. There's, there's I, like... There's AIs, well, there's AI creep, there's other things. It play... It, it seems a bit more like first-person lol. It's not than, really about being the same game, though. It's that's about right. It's right. the same audience. Yeah. Mm. Filling the same niche in someone's life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, Which nobody's is, contesting that it's the same game, obviously, because Overwatch is the first thing... Like Overwatch is not time. the first. It's one of, well, uh, you know, the first thing to, to, to be the... I, I don't know. I did a quick internet search for Battleborn just then, and I just searched Battleborn, and one like the first few images that came up when you push the image button are Battleborn, but the rest of it's almost Overwatch. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, marketing yeah. team there. I mean, it, it's okay, it's still majority... Okay, it's it's majority still Battleborn, but there are a lot of Overwatch images littered in there. And this is where I was going to go. It's the first one to be marketed on such a grandiose scale, you know, with uh, accompanying movies and blah, 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 like in its own bloody Pixar-sized development. Yeah, that's pretty amazing and hard to compete yeah, with. Yeah, they have an animation team working on a video for each character. So, we know why Overwatch has basically kicked the, kicked the goals and is very successful. Some of the reactions that people have said after this number of around 500 active players came out was that maybe they should switch immediately to a free-to-play model. Um, something that we saw happen not that long ago with Evolve. Um, I actually didn't know this until you said that they had done that because I haven't been playing Evolve to that degree that I didn't even know that that happened. And I think that was a lot of people, there was a lot of hype for it when it came out. People were very excited for it. I um, actually played a bit of it at uh, PAX uh, a couple of years ago when it came when they came to uh, PAX Australia. Um, and they, yeah, it was an exciting sort of fun game. Just kind of came out maybe at the wrong time, maybe didn't quite hit the audience that they needed, couldn't sustain that player base, which is so essential for a multiplayer title. They switched over to this free-to-play model their their you know their player base spiked up like crazy um but you know the people who were sticking around and still playing were kind of upset because it it was a sort of a clean slate i did feel a bit annoyed that i paid 80 dollars for that game and yeah. now it's free to play. It, it really, it, it kind of rose me the wrong way. But it's a winning kind of format that other games and developers have done to save their, you know, uh, seemingly failing games. I remember uh, Anarchy Online did the same thing. Uh, when that launched, it was like, it was shipped with like uh, defunct or even wrong like keys for the games um, and it had like inaccessible areas of the game where people just couldn't even get to uh, Funcom, the de- Funcom the developer spent months fixing all the uh, problems and offered free trials to win people back and in the end like it, uh, it's still going now but it's, and it's free to play now 
and there you go like it, it's still playing it's, I it's, think it's successful kind of rectify uh, where you see this most often so seeing some games like this where it's free to play and they you know transfer into it I guess uh Evolved as sort of an outlier in that. There's not a huge amount of games that do this sort of thing, but mostly in the MMO space, yep. um, all lots of MMOs get launched with lots of hype, and then all of a sudden, you know, the player base dwindles off as as the King Blizzard <laughs> kind of is the only one that te- tends to be able to maintain that uh, subscriber base in order to keep it going, and, and they all transfer over to a free-to-play model. You know, we've seen this happen with Lord of the Rings Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Matrix Online did this as well. Um, yep. For you who would, might remember that one. Uh, more, more recently, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic. That actually had a very similar marketing campaign to Overwatch in the sense that their cinematic, they had a very, like, they had very pretty cinematic assets and a lot of hype and a lot of press and it kind of didn't really go the way they planned. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between free-to-play versus completely free games. It's not mm-hmm. a free game. There is obviously ways that you kind of gate off content or you make it appealing for people to just spend a bit of money into it. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you make a game, you, you can't just flip the switch to make it free-to-play because you would need to change everything so fundamentally. Right. You know, you could, of course, have something like uh, Hearthstone uh, that was designed with just transactions the whole way through um, but there was a, you know a design element in it to kind of keep people in the game and to keep thinking about the game and wanting to continue on and, and keep playing it so yeah it's it's whether there's a better way to do this that we don't know yeah I mean I, I can't think of like another way I guess like the one of the ways that Battleborn is trying to recover is just drastically reducing the price so just the barrier for entry is just lower. Well, it was fifteen dollars, not yep. that long yeah. after in a in a bundle um, mm-hmm. that you could purchase it. So you know that is these things. Multiplayer games live and die off the people who are playing them. If exactly. there's no one playing them, then no one jumps in. You can't continue it on. It's kind of once the decline starts, it's hard to bring it back unless you do something like free to play. So you know there's no no one silver bullet for it. Another thing, uh, another interesting point is that the modding community can help revive a game to an extent because mm. as we see with Arma 2, I don't know anyone that knew Arma 2 was even a thing until DayZ came out. Yeah, <laughs> and I think Arma 2 is really interesting in that it had such a it, it did have a niche audience, a mm-hmm. very niche people in the technical shooter uh, fans, um, but then when the mods came out, they actually opened up to a much broader. Um, a yeah, it became less about it being like a like a war simulator and more about a game. Yeah, exactly right. So, if you like simulators, you should stay tuned. That's right. <laughs> well, let's uh, jump into our next topic right now. Did you know Pixelsiv is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the Pixelsiv website. It seems like there's another post-apocalyptic game coming out every Ugh. every week. Um, I'm a big fan of the genre, and they are often filled with doom and gloom. It's kind of one person or a small group of people struggling to survive in a world that's clearly out to get them. Perth's Codots Games, though, took this well-sort-of-traveled genre and used it to explore the beauty of a ruined world in their adventure game, their puzzle game, Wanda. Mitch caught up with Caroline Thant, who's an artist and designer of the game, earlier this week. We're usually a two-people team, and I'm the artist, and Soma, the game developer, is based in Burma. Uh, but for Wanda, we recruited um, David Lister, a very talented musician from Seattle, 
So um, tell us about your game, Wanda. Uh, well, Wanda is a 2D uh, storyteller game with some puzzle elements mixed to it. We decided to use a different take on the usual uh, end of the world theme by showing uh, hope and friendship in a seemingly hopeless world. Uh, there are no complex characters or plots or anything like that. It's just about uh, two little robots wanting to survive and explore the world together. So you mentioned that one of your developers is based in Burma, was it? Does that complicate things? Uh, yeah, I'm from Burma as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, the main problem with uh, working internationally is how it takes a lot more time. Because sometimes you might want to discuss something about the game, and, but the other members uh, might not be online. And uh, you really need to have good sync with each other as well to know exactly what to do for the game. So I guess with an international development team, how did you find each other? Were you friends before or did you have to seek each other out online? Uh, no, we were friends since I was in Burma. Excellent. So you just kind of went your separate ways but reconnected through the internet? Yeah. Awesome. So um, I guess a lot of your, a lot of your gameplay is... I've actually played about half an hour of it. I just met the small robot. And a lot of the gameplay is focused on, I guess, the innocence of a character traveling through a world. How did you convey innocence throughout your gameplay experience? Uh, actually, uh, it's probably because our main inspiration for Wanda came from a Facebook post about a dog who nursed a stray cat back to health and how they grew up together. Uh, it was such a simple yet heartwarming story and it really moved us. So we decided to create a game with a similar um, innocent kind of feel. So all from a Facebook post, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> so I guess you've also, I've read a lot of like the material on your website and you've mentioned that you have a show don't tell style of gameplay and like a game design. And um, what does that actually mean? Uh, um, since you've actually played part of the game, you probably noticed that there's no understandable dialogue in the story. It's because we really like the idea of dialogue-free story, uh, but to allow the robots to be able to communicate with, with each other, we invented an alien language. I think it makes the whole game a lot more interesting, but uh, also forces the player to focus on the body language and interactions of the two robots uh, in a show and don't tell style. It's just like how we understand our pets without them speaking to us. And of course, um, it also makes the story more open to interpretation. I love that. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the language because the language that they speak, it's, I mean, I don't understand it, but um, it reminds me a lot of Bastion from Overwatch. But did you actually invent the written language? Because text does appear on the screen, but it's not a text that humans can understand. But is that actually a language that you've invented? Yeah, uh, we made it from scratch. So I noticed that you had a Kickstarter campaign. Other than to achieve money, what else did you aim to get from the Kickstarter campaign? Uh, well, you probably noticed that music is a huge part of Wonder uh, to build the atmosphere and the cutscenes. So we're lucky to have someone like David. Uh, he actually took the time to create unique soundtracks for each cutscene and location. So if possible, we wanted to add 
fully original soundtracks for the whole game, but we were a bit tight on the budget, so a Kickstarter was a good way to raise some funds as well as promote the game. Uh, but yeah, we're very happy that it reached the goal because we could finally make Wanda reach its full potential. Where would you like to go with Wanda now? Do you consider the game complete at this point or would you like to add more to it? Uh, yeah, we'll definitely add some more content with future, with future updates because some people mentioned that uh, there's not much exploration in Wanda. So we're thinking of adding more explorable maps and things like that. Awesome. I was just wondering as well on a personal note, I missed out a couple of the collectible maps at the beginning because I, th I didn't know what they were. Is Are they able to be gone and gotten again or do you need to restart the whole game again? I guess you have to restart or at least go back to a safe point. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, sorry good. about that. <laughs> nah, that's all right. So I guess the world building is really important. So um, how did you come up with the particular style? I mean, the robot really reminds me of, the big robot at least, reminds me of Baymax from Big Hero 6. Did you take inspiration from any other works? Uh, well, we were uh, quite inspired by Wally and Big Hero 6 and uh, To the Moon. Uh, but yeah, uh, people do mention that there's some similarities between those and Wanda, but I, I can assure you that the story is completely different. So, uh, in regards to the puzzles of Wanda, I, I really enjoyed the Boulder one at the very beginning. It seems very, it reminded me of uh, a couple of Boulder puzzles in Pokemon. Um, how much of your, how do you relate those puzzles to your art direction? Um, actually, well, the, the focus of Wanda is not the puzzles. Uh, it's actually the story, and the puzzles are just a way to sort of uh, show that um, the bonding between the two characters and how they overcome obstacles together. Uh, so yeah, um, the puzzles do get uh, a lot harder as you go on, but um, uh, you can skip the puzzles if they're too hard, so that it doesn't interrupt the flow of the story. But yeah, for if you want to get achievements, you, you can... Um, complete all the puzzles. Was it difficult to make the choice to put in that skip feature? Because I know a lot of developers really don't want people blasting through their game and like not experiencing things that they've worked hard on. Oh yeah, definitely. Actually, um, the skip option was a last-minute idea because a lot of our testers complain about the difficulty of like the last few puzzles. Uh, so, but we didn't want to tone it down too much, so we, we added a skip option for it. Excellent. So, just like kind of like a backout function, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so if people would like to know more about your game, where would they go? Uh, we do have a website, codoxgames.com, uh, and we also have a Facebook page, uh, a YouTube channel, uh, and I also have a Facebook page dedicated to my art as well. So yeah, you can check our latest updates on there. Excellent. And are you guys showing off the game anytime soon? Uh, for now, we uh, we just let uh, uh, we we released the game uh, in late July. So yeah, we're just in the cooling down period I guess so but we'll be making more promotions with a new update soon
Wanda, the, a beautiful apocalypse is available on Steam now. You can head to kodotsgames.com for more information. You're listening to Pixel Now, you don't have to look far to find a decent simulation game these days, whether it's one of the slew of sims such as Farming, Truck or Goat Simulator, or just a game that takes its portrayal of realism to an all-new level. There are now more games closely based on real life than ever before. Long gone. Uh, long have we come from the days of Rollercoaster Tycoon and Theme Hospital. Our last topic for the, the day will be looking at some of the games that are ticking all the realism boxes. Uh, have we got any? What, what, what games you, are ticking the boxes for you guys? One of the most interesting ones that oh, I have seen please go. recently is uh, the Office Simulator, the Work Simulator uh, oh on, yeah. in virtual reality. It's set in <laughs> yeah. a world where robots do all the jobs, um, so people for their leisure can pretend they have an office job. Um, and Kate Rains Goldie <laughs> talked about it uh, to us, and she's like, "Yeah, it's really funny to kind of mm. when you kind of abstract it in that way and see as all the silly things that happen in an office." Um, There's as actually a, as a version of of that similar kind of game out on um, well it's coming out on Squanch Tendo as well the um, the VR development game uh, company d- gun done by the guys that do Rick and Morty oh. that's the only game I've seen of them at the moment is some <laughs> kind of office space one you're excited I am a little bit excited a little yeah. bit excited it makes me want a VR the simulation genre is obviously very niche um, there's mm-hmm. lots of uh, things which are I mean they're sort of almost not games really they kind of start to be uh, you know, they are simulations almost. I mean, gameplay elements in games like SimCity, for example, where it is, you know, there's a fun element and you're trying to kind of play that. But then you can do some realistic stuff. Like, think about all the Euro trail, um, truck simulators or the rail simulators where you can simulate entire rail lines. And Yeah, those, that is strange. Like, that whole kind of area of, like, uh, hyper-realistic mundane games. Yeah. Like, you're farming your, your Euro truck simulator. Yeah. That's like a... Um, Tax accountant f- simulator. Karmic. <laughs> Mechanic simulator, um, fern bus sim, uh, European ship simulator as well. Uh, European can, as can, opposed to Asian simulator. Well, you know, you can, take, you can take your ships into all your favourite docks and harbours so around what Europe. <laughs> what, happen, what happens when you hit international waters? Is I don't it's know. like you're out of it. Think, Game's over. Yeah. That's the you end of the mission. You just hit one of those invisible walls. Yeah, like, the ship yeah. just smashes what you, completely. What are you, shipping away from the harbour? <laughs> That's awesome. But, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that that is a a distinguishable kind of group of games that we need to kind of put again in their own little thing where it's like mundane, hyper-realistic, but not really a game as much as it is an experience simulator. Well, elements of realism, quotation marks, can be found in like other games, like for example, Animal Crossing, you have a mortgage in that. Like you start <laughs> that game and you own you owe this raccoon money for your house. <laughs> what? And so I guess they can be, these mechanics can be found in other games where you wouldn't really traditionally associate them with being real. Do you know what's really funny? I remember having a thought as a kid when The Sims came out mm. um, and thinking about the people, how they get points and they level up in their job and they have to do all these particular things to get in. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Real life is exactly like The Sims. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it, yeah. There's one of these things you think of as a kid and you're like, no, actually. Well, it is. Just nobody tells you when you're leveling up. Yeah. And when you're getting you don't get a, valuable experience points. Nobody knows if you sit in front of a bookcase for 15 yeah. minutes reading a book that you're going to get a skill point. So. It's sort of subconscious and very boring. Exactly. I feel like so. no one's getting a skill point for listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they might do in their podcast um, listening uh, points category. So when I was trying to, when I was looking into this as well, I, 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 I like I said, I feel like it's important to put simulation into their own little area because they're not really the games um, as far as you know 
overly challenging kind of games go. They're more experience based. Yeah, Whereas, I think. Well, did you not, not just mention Goat Simulator like two seconds ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a whole <laughs> other thing. But like, um, I think it's one of these the things. The power that, of PCs these days, yeah. like the idea of graphical realism, yeah. um, is you know very subjective and basically comes down or and ab- ambiguous, I guess, because it comes down to however, however powerful your PC is. What I think with this one is there is like many things in life a continuum in which uh, simulators are like pure simulation and then versus uh, pure actual games and there are lots of things that kind of sit along that continuum mm. and, um, and like I said as graphics and whatever gets gets so much better that that line and that kind of gap is so close together now yeah well, some games walk the line actually quite well for example GTA and Forza Horizon yeah they they are very much simulators in the sense that like there are there is a certain you're in a world and it's quite it's, it's a satire GTA is pretty much a caricature yeah. of Los Angeles and, but then like you got games like Forza Forza who they they have driving mechanics that seem to be very grounded in reality but the gameplay is still very engaging and quite cartoony Gran Turismo is the one that did it first Gran Turismo is amazing yeah Yeah. I mean Forza is a a really great input into that kind of uh, uh, but there's also other ones there's a drive club and whatever Mm. I think again just to box them into their own kind of realistic little area racing sporting uh, a bit different. I mean, they are kind of obviously naturally exceptional at trying to be a simulator because that's their hook um, and then and their selling point. And they're also annual, so they need to kind of keep on top of everything. But by the same token, Scott, that you have your arcade racing games, like your Burnouts, for example, which yeah. aren't aiming to be Absolutely. a simulation, and not but the are same still thing. A, a sim thing, you know. You know but yeah. but I, f- I feel like games like Gran Turismo are the same kind of ilk as, say, uh, FIFA or Pro Evo or whatever because they're, right. they're, they're trying to actually emulate something to the to as, as realistic as possible. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly right. You know, um, P- uh, Peter, as you you may know them, the yes. people for the ethical treatment of animals <laughs> came out and uh, basically petitioned the developer of Farming Simulator uh, to include some more realistic, uh, basically life on the farm, the actual including of uh, the slaughter of animals as, as part yep. of... Uh, look, uh, as a you farm, think that would as a get them of, more sales or less sales? Probably less. As a farm know. boy myself, I'm, like, yeah, it, yeah death is a part of the daily thing but you, yeah, you, but don't, you, know you don't want to glamorize or even accentuate or exacerbate you know make that bit stand be out be very more. few farmers that would also own an abattoir so i'd say a lot of people would be basically loading their animals onto a truck and onto a ute and out into the local and in air quotes tip yeah chuck <laughs> them out yeah, it sucks, it. man. That's that's the bad side about farm yeah. life is it's real, and the real real life is pretty gross. Sometimes. And sometimes real life actually isn't fun it's as a not, game. No, so if you're thinking about a product that's going to be saleable that people want to play, um, you know, people have obviously really enjoyed, you know, uh, using a large piece of farming equipment to harvest uh, in a combined fashion. Um, the you know, only thing I've seen from that game is two people <laughs> racing tractors down the street. Yeah, I saw one where... I find that so exciting. <laughs> I love the hook. idea of all that game. I want to play it so much. Trying to hook on the trailer and then engaging the drive as well. Oh, mate. See, and like some of these simulators don't, aren't really great at what they did uh, do. I saw a demolition one today um, and it was it was kind of cool in, in the fact that it was just as good graphically as all the other simulators. But you know, you were knocking down down a building with a hammer and all the bricks were just vanishing. I was like, this isn't realistic. This is a simulator, but it's not realistic at all. There's also, like, the, I guess the technical limitations of actually having these uh, games work in that way as well. You know, 
we were talking to uh, Lisa Evans uh, quite a few episodes ago now, but she was talking about creating a game that used real-life uh, statistical simulation, um, and the game itself was kind of something on top of that. So they wanted to make something as realistically, uh, so Lisa was trying to make something as realistically as possible, um, but then there was a game element on top of that because the just the simulation on its own is not fun. It's not mm. fun. It's we live in real life already real, and it's not so, that great. Yeah. Well, it's all right. We do all right. It's got its moments. We do all right. It's all right here. Every Thursday <laughs> afternoon is pretty decent. That's right. Um, I think that's an interesting sort of uh, contrast to, to call. You know, we talk about, you know, including some of these things in there. Peter's suggestion to put these in there. Peter, yeah. often, Peter have a long career of actually making games. Um, you've talked about this hey, before. Hey, the Pokemon yeah. priority was actually pretty We've well brought put up together. We've brought up their games yeah. in other episodes. Yeah. 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 Um, and they do it for their own particular because their uh, particular stakeholders are interested in a particular you know activity out of them that's what they're interested in but that doesn't overlap with making a fun game a lot of the time no. um, and kind of calling for some people would call the disposal of pigs fun yeah, but not me. Well, if we're <laughs> some dis- people. Hey, now, Mitch. All right, I wouldn't put that one on the record. <laughs> if disposing's eating, then yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, this is something that is, is obviously, you know. Because I think simulation is so broad. Yeah, it is. And that's why I kept f- feeling the need to try and shoebox things into little um, understandable areas. Yeah, I mean, there are things that good games and good media and good culture should actually explore real life things and sometimes take them from an abstraction and maybe, you know, take away some of that realism in order to actually properly explore it. So in terms of telling a good story, sometimes it's a good idea to not be as realistic because then you can't emphasize the parts that you need to emphasize. I think a game like GTA really takes this in an interesting direction because it's like, um, you know, it's, it, it, as much as it is an amazing game and it does, it, it's fun to play and everything, it is a huge mirror satirical hold up to, uh, you know, society, especially Western culture. That's right. Um, Ramskull on Twitch has just said uh, Super, Tofu Boy, Super Tofu Boy by Peter that they came out because yep. uh, it shouldn't be a Super Meat Boy. Yeah, uh, uh, that's right. Yeah, Which so, was a great game. Yeah, so there we go. Look, um, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for joining us. You could join us on this simulation that is life. Maybe we're living in a hologram, like Elon Musk says. Who knows? But we'll be, hat on. we'll be back next week. Um, this week, though, you'll find all of the notes from this show on our website, which is www.pixelsift.com.au. You'll also find links to that website on our social media. Scott, won't you? Yes, you will, Pixel Sifters. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au now if you're digging through the internet you might find some of our archives wouldn't you mitch yeah so you can listen to them at a later date on either itunes pocket casts or using the rss link on our page and they're also on youtube that's right look uh thanks for joining us we will see you all again next week peace out catch ya. 